Yeah, um, the second thing was, who was here in the summer? Who, who planted these? Summer, sorry, July, August time. Uh -huh, there's one, two, don't be shy. Three, four, five, see, some people. Now, this must be the longest visual aid I've ever used, because when was that? That was July, I think, we planted that thing. And uh, who, whose sunflower is that, the tallest one? Ah, Monica's one, all right. Uh, no, there's no sweets for that, or Nelson's one. Nelson also showed me pictures of the ones. Um, so what were we doing when we planted those? Yeah, I think we were looking at the... Um, uh, the <laughs> yeah, I think the weeds and the wheat was one of them, and then we looked at the parable of the sower as well. I'm not sure. One, we looked at the seeds, and the other one, we actually planted the seeds. So um, there they are. And the point we made is that we're all different seeds. Actually, it's the sunflower which is uh, flowering. Um, it's the tallest. Well done, whoever planted it. But there's maize, and the beans have already uh, gone. So, uh, but in the middle, you see the cross. One time, I used it again as a visual aid, and we planted the cross at the end, and people came and prayed before that, that cross. Remembering, yes, we're so many different types of people within this church, within our community of KICL, but Christ is at the center. And that's why we've been worshiping him this morning. Thank you again so much for the worship team leading us. I think that's the last time you will see this visual aid. I have to think of another long-term one next time. Now, okay, my message to the day, it doesn't have a visual aid. It doesn't have any prizes. But... I do have a prize, because otherwise Monica will complain. Um, so, apart from Moira, and maybe Jerry, all right, who did Moira talk on last week? This is not worth the prize. Shap. Shapan, yeah, Shap, Shaphan that was. I looked on Google this morning. Shaphan. Okay, now for the prize. I thought that was the easy part. There's only one part. This is the more difficult part. For the prize, this wonderful little packet of Skittles. Name one of Shaphan's three sons. She talked about three sons. They all did different things. I might have been able to get one, actually, before I double-checked this morning. All right, one begins with A, one begins with E, one begins with G. I think it's a G one, you might remember. Yeah, be bold, Daniel. Yay! Look at that. We are, I won't ask you what he did. Okay, well done. Congratulations. So, sorry, Moira and Jerry, you weren't allowed to enter into that quiz. Anyway. But you can read back. I'm sure it's up there on the web, or will be there on the web if you want to find out more about Shapam and his three sons. The other two were uh, Akan and Elasha. Is that right? Okay. So there we are. So Shapam and his three sons. Now, to the message. Ah, there we are. Oh, that's what I said. Brilliant, isn't it? Genesis chapter 6 to 9. Exactly what April was talking about. Being good in a bad world. Noah. Genesis 6, verses 5 to 6 says this. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, 
and that every inclination of thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. Sorry to start this message on such a down verse. And what a contrast to what was written a few chapters earlier, in Genesis, before in Genesis, when God said in Genesis 1 verse 31 and 2 verse 1, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. The question that sprang to my mind, perhaps to your mind, is what on earth has happened? What's gone wrong? Of course, the simple answer is sin had entered the world. And although it is a simple answer, it is actually the only answer. And was the only, only answered when Jesus came into the world to die for our sins through his act of salvation on the cross. But what were the characteristics of this sin which we see in the early chapters of Genesis? And actually they have not changed at all. The sin of desire and personal gain. I'm just running through quickly the first few chapters of Genesis. The sin of desire and personal gain. Genesis 3 and verse 6 says this, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. The sin of desire and personal gain. The sin, creeping nature of sin. Genesis 4 and verse 7 says, If you do what is right, you will not be accepted. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must rule over it. And that was the Lord speaking to Cain after his uh, offering. And then... Finally, in this quick run through, sin driven by jealousy. Genesis 4 and verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go into the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So, Cain, the first son of Adam and Eve, killed Abel, the second son of Adam and Eve. And because of this, Cain was, was cast out of the Lord's presence and went to live in the land of Nod, Genesis 4 and verse 16. Adam and Eve, they went on to have another son called Seth. Genesis 4 and verse 20, uh, 25. Genesis 5 verse 3 says this, When Adam lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. So that's Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, Genesis 5. And all of Genesis 5 is basically the family line of, of Adam with many names, the years that people lived and when they died. But it is only, and this is important to know, it's only in reference to the line of Seth. And after about seven generations, albeit rather long generations at that time, since people were living to seven or nine hundred, seven to nine hundred years old, it says this, Lamech gave birth to a son and called him Noah. I said that. Even Chanel could <laughs> Noah who didn't have kids until he was 500 years old. So don't worry, though, any of you are a little bit older like me. There's still your chance. At least his name, sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And so we come to Genesis 6. 
which is what we read at the beginning of this message. And it talks about some rather strange things. I mean, before we get into the story of Noah, which I know Chanel and I guess many kids love to read, perhaps also us adults, but we always have such questioning minds. All the animals built the boat by himself, the whole world flooded, and so they continue. A little more of that later, but not actually so much because we're going to focus on Noah rather than the ark. Now, I put this background because I was also confused about what I read at the beginning of Genesis 6. Genesis 6, 1 and 2 says, When human beings began to increase in number on earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the sons of humans were beautiful and they married any of them that they chose. chose. <laughs> and, Genesis 6 verse 4, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterwards, when the sons of gods went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. What is it all this talking about? Now, I have often said, when I'm standing here, I'm not a theologian, and I'm sure that the Bible experts among you out there uh, will be able to lead whole sermons on these topics. But as I read the various commentaries and talks about these verses, the consensus seems to be that it came from the two lines of people, the line of Seth and the line of Cain. The line of Cain, who had been banished, it says banished from the presence of God. And the line of Seth, which points people to the calling to the Lord again in Genesis 4 and verse 26. And, and Seth is described, and I thought that was quite interesting, as being made in Adam's own likeness and image. The same words as God uses in reference to, to Adam. Own likeness and image. So we have these two lines. And they were pretty much living separate lives. And what we read in Genesis 6 is the coming together of the sons of li uh, these two lines. The sons of God, Seth line, seeing that the daughters of the human line, Cain's line, were beautiful. And mixed marriages began to happen. Not in the sense of Harriet and myself, a racially mixed couple, but the foundation beliefs and related attitudes to life are mixed. Paul also warns about this in regard to Christian living. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 to 18. And I'm perfect, I almost put it on the screen, but I didn't because I know there are, there are some, uh, I, but I am not going to say more here because it's a critical subject for some and needs to be dealt with as a unique study topic. So maybe the, the leadership can pick up on that one time. Um, a believer being united with an unbeliever. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 and 18. But here, such a thing happened. The, the sons of God and the sons of man were coming together, and the mixing of these two lines is disastrous due to the wickedness that resulted. Righteousness and belief in God have been forgotten, and sin was the norm of the age. There are even some strange consequences with the arrival of giants or Nephilim, um, Genesis 6 verse 4. And perhaps Goliath was one of these, written about in 1 Samuel 17. But in short, it was a bad world. But it was a world in which Noah lived. Noah, 
So one, Noah, a righteous man. Genesis 6 verse 9 says, and this is the verse I think. Is this the verse? Mm. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Whatever else you might think about the Noah story, I think that this point is perhaps the most amazing of all, and is why I've entitled my message, Being Good in a Bad World. And this is also so critical for us, because most of us, this is the reality we are living in as we go about our lives in 2023. And this is okay. And it's actually what was to be expected because it was the situation that was included in Jesus' prayer in John 17 and verse 15. Jesus says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil. Just as Noah remained righteous and blameless among the people of his time, the challenge for us is to do the same in our time. And it's not so easy not to go along with the crowd, not to enjoy the pleasures of which sin seems to bring, not to be tempted to taste and see. And on the back of all this, the devil is saying, just as he said to Eve in the form of the serpent, did God really say this? Genesis 3 and verse 1. You will certainly not die. Genesis 3 and verse 4. Doubting God's word and then turning the truth into lies. They're what we face today as we live as good people in a bad world. And this is the slippery slope of sin, which any of us can slide down if we do not seek to live by the same standards as Noah lived. Righteousness. Doing the right things in the eyes of God. Blameless. Innocent of wrongdoing and without guilt. Faithfulness placing trust and loyalty in God. These are core qualities and are very important if we are going to survive in a wicked world, which God is not calling us out from, but in which, coming to the New Testament, these verses sprang to mind. I'm jumping a bit around the Bible. I hope you can catch up on the screen. Matthew 5 and verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the challenge to Alistair. That's the challenge to each of us. Hebrews 12 and verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right side of God, on the throne of God, for you and for me, that we may be able to shine in this dark world. And Ephesians 6, verses 11 and 12. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's in the New Testament, those three verses. But the same was true in Noah's time. 
all of those he was facing at that time. And he was righteous. He was blameless. He was faithful. These are all very powerful verses and perhaps easier said than to put in practice. But what made Noah a good man in a bad world and someone that God could use? They will also enable us to be effective Christians in the circumstances in which we find ourselves and to be used by Jesus for the growth of his church. Secondly, Noah was an obedient man. And now we get to the story that with kids all love, we all love, the story that everyone knows so well about Noah and the ark. Sometimes, most of the time I think I call it a boat rather than an ark. Genesis 6 verses 12 to 15a says this, God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The detailed instructions follow. The measurements of the boat, the building details of the boat, the fact that two of each animal will come to Noah to be on the boat. And Noah has to store up enough food to look after them all. Then a storm will come and floods will cover the whole earth, kill all the animals and the people not in the boat. But Noah and his uh, closest family will be fine. Uh, any complaints from Noah? No. Genesis 6, verse 20. This is an amazing verse. Genesis 6, verse 22. Noah did everything just as God had commanded. Noah did everything just as God had commanded. Well done, Noah! And to think of the things I complain about when God asks me to do A, B, or C for his church or in my life for him. Oh dear. So when Noah was 600 years old, middle-aged in those times, uh, he entered the boat with his wife, his three sons and their wives, and a lot of animals. And just as the Lord had warned Noah, it rained for 40 days and nights, the earth was flooded, seems like water was coming up as well as coming down, for 150 days. Quite an experience. I've written, I can imagine, but actually I can't imagine. Quite an experience. Genesis 7, verses 12, 11 to 12 and 16b said this. In the 600th year of Noah's life and on the 17th day of the second month, on that day all the springs of the deep, verse 4, and the floodgates of heaven were opened, and rain fell on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, as God had commanded Noah. All those different things he did. Then the Lord shut him in. A couple of things to note about Noah. His family were also allowed to enter the ark. And so I guess, it doesn't strictly say, I guess that the righteous influence of their father had rubbed off on the sons and their wives. Our first mission is also to our family and the people around us. Those people that know us inside and out, the ones that know us so well, are seeing us the good side and the bad side. They are the ones that we're shining to first. And the second thing I want us to say is that then the Lord shut him in. Of course, the power behind all the happenings we are reading about is the mighty power of God. I cannot tell you how they happened, but I do know 
that I am an I'm serving an, an almighty and all-powerful God who is doing extraordinary things on a daily basis. He had his hand on Noah on all that Noah was doing. Noah's back was covered. And so it was God who finally closed the doors on the ark. God shut him in. God was with Noah 100%. And he is also with all of us as we are obedient to him. 100%. I don't know why this came into my mind. As a, I think it's a shutting in. And um, for those of you that fly a lot, you will know that what, what do they say just before takeoff? The captain always says something to the crew or the first person. Come on, you were working for math and other people. Ah, arm the doors and cross-check. Yes. I don't know what it means, but the hostesses do it. And they sit down in their seats. So obviously they react after that's happened. And we're ready to take off. God shut Noah in. He was very safe. 1 John 5, verses 3 and 4 says this. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes this world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. God is there as we're obedient to him. Thirdly, Noah, a man, or a lady, but in this case a man. So, the floods come. Noah and his family and the animals survive living together for around 10 months. The birds are sent out to see if the floods are receding. And eventually the boat comes to rest on hard ground on the top of the mountains of Ararat. And God hasn't forgotten about his friend Noah. And by now, I guess, it's rather smelly uh, living conditions after 14 months uh, from entering the ark. Genesis 8 verse 1 says this, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. And once Noah was out of the ark, he built an altar to God and made a sacrifice which was pleasing to God. And God promised never to destroy the earth again. Genesis 8 verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed... Sorry, I'm, I'm spying. I guess there were more than two of these ones. Um, then uh, clean animals and clean birds. He sacrificed the offerings of it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures that I have done. And of course, we get the rainbow as a reminder of God's promise to Noah and all of us when we see the rainbow. Genesis 9, verses 13 to 15. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I remember my covenant between me and you and all the living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Oh, this is excellent. And it would have been great if the Bible narrative would have ended here. But it doesn't. Noah's life is followed for another ten verses. And it includes this little episode. 
Genesis 9, verses 20 to 22 says, Noah was a man of the soil, like me. There. Proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. And there's a bit more narrative as well. Oh dear, our righteous man, our blameless man, our faithful man, drunk and naked. And when Noah realizes what has happened, he came, in a way makes it worse because he curses Ham. I don't know all the cultural significance of what he saw and did. But he curses Ham, Canaan, and asks blessings for Seth and Jacob, Japheth. All a bit spur of the moment and seemingly very out of character for Noah. But we all know what alcohol, alcohol can do to the normal character and mind. Or rather sad and a bit of a mess. But the Bible does not hide the blemishes and failings in people. David and Bathsheba. The denier of Peter as the cock crows sprung to my mind. And of course, as I look on my own life, I see episodes of failure, of disobedience to God, and of sin. Apart from Jesus, no human being has ever been perfect. But in Jesus, we have forgiveness of our sins. 1 John 1, verses 8 and 9. And God chooses to use us, imperfect as we are, to build his kingdom. The Great Commission at the end of the Matthew 28 says this. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Sorry, I'll have to look at your phones now. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And this was true for Noah. He wasn't perfect, but he was obedient to what God wanted him to do. And he lived another 350 years, dying when he was 950 years old. Not bad. And Jesus makes reference to him and the flood. Matthew 24, verses 37 to 39. This is Jesus speaking. As it was in the days of Noah, so it, was, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. So he must have been okay if Jesus mentioned him. And he was also mentioned amongst those great, uh, the people of faith, mentioned in Hebrews 11. Actually, Noah's verse is number seven. By faith, Noah, when warned about these things, had not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he, was, he, by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. So, what can we see and learn in our own lives as we look at the life of Noah? Noah, a righteous man. Can we put your name or my name instead? Noah, an obedient man. Noah, a man or a woman.
Being good in a bad world is not always easy. But it's where we are. And it's what we need to do. And if any of you are struggling with any issues regarding such living this morning, perhaps you're thinking, I'm not holy enough. I'm not obedient enough. I'm not good enough. Then please come forward afterwards when we close. And myself and others from the prayer team will be here to pray for you in confidence. And the Almighty God is 100% with you. Because the reality is, God needs you. God needs each one of us. Because as part of his church. Because we each have a unique role to play. God needs you as part of his church and has a unique role for you. Let's just pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for what we've been able to learn today from the life of Noah. A good man in a bad world. Lord, we seek to be good people in a world where we also see much sin. Just on the news yesterday, we heard of more fighting as Israel and Palestine started fighting again. Lord, we pray for peace in this world. We pray for ourselves in our small local situations that we may be sources of light and peace and of your love, that we may be obedient to you, that we may be blameless in your sight, that we may be lights for you. Lord, we're not perfect. And Lord, we confess our sins this morning and each day as we, as we don't reach those standards which you want us to reach. Lord, we just pray that we would be able to do better, that we would be able to become more like you day by day. Lord, we pray that uh, you would use us for your glory and for the extension of your kingdom. We thank you that although we have sinned, you are faithful and just to forgive us of, your sin, of sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you. And we say amen to that. And Lord, we pray now that as we go into this world, be with us. Continue to uh, do extraordinary things through us as you did in Noah. In Jesus' name, amen. So, thank you very much, everyone. Um,